welcome to Coffee and Conservation, hosted by Dr. Beth Baker, Assistant Extension Professor in the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Aquaculture at Mississippi State University. From water and soil to habitat and food production, Dr. Baker and her guests discuss the necessity and complexity of conservation in the U.S. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Coffee and Conservation. And we are here talking about soil health is the new black, which is a little bit of a play on words, um, <laughs> but really relevant um, to much of the talk around soil health right now. So I have back with us my student friend colleague, <laughs> Alexandra Firth. Welcome. Thank Hello. you. Hello. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good? Doing all right. Yeah. It's rainy weather is a little, a little sad, but That's it's all right. right. Well, this is a timely topic because you are psyching up for your first round of sampling for your doctoral work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's focusing a lot on soil and yes. soil health management practices. <laughs> so uh, before we jump into it, tell us a little bit about your background so that, so that the audience knows kind of where you're coming from here. Yeah, so I uh, got my bachelor's degree in ecology from Humboldt State. Um, and I did a number of technician positions afterwards, uh, ultimately ended up on this organic farm in New Mexico, got, I mean, you can't just spend all day pulling weeds and not look at the soil and start looking at what's happening there and how things are growing. So that got me very interested in agroecology and soil health, um, which ended up leading to my master's at Mississippi State with Dr. Baker here. Mm-hmm. And, um, looking at more sustainable system work, uh, but with a strong uh, emphasis on soil health. And now for my dissertation, uh, um, I am uh, focusing very heavily on soil health, the ecology of it, um, within agricultural systems in the Delta. Yes, it's going to be very exciting um, and very relevant. So I mentioned that, you know, soil health is the new black. is a bit of a play on words. But there is a lot of discussion around soil health right now, and we're well aware, I guess, that not all researchers exactly agree on what soil health is or how we measure it. Uh, but for the audience, can you can you give us like a general meaning of soil health, more, even more kind of <laughs> theoretically, right, than exactly what we would measure? Because we're still figuring that out. Okay, well, I wrote a definition down for this, Perfect. which I'm going to read. Perfect, that's important, because <laughs> it's I important want to, to have like sure a, got it right. a scientifically defined definition, because it is a little, uh, it can be contentious in some some realms, some disciplines. There's a lot of different definitions of it, but my idea of it, and what is cited in literature as well, is this sit, uh, sustained capability of soil to accept, store, and recycle water, nutrients, and energy. Uh, which is a little vague, but also it encompasses a lot. It does. Yeah, it's very much more of a system than right. it is, you know, just your NPK values. Right, and and in that sense, it encompasses much more of the other ecosystem services soil provides um, outside of just the traditional fertility, which, mm-hmm. of course, producing food is one of the really important functions of soil, but it does a lot of other things, too, that we know are pretty important. Um, but fertility is often so dependent on all these other aspects Mm -hmm. of soil so yes natural fertility yes natural fertility (laughs) (laughs) so many caveats when it comes to the environment we spend all day being like but not at this time but not in this specific scenario (laughs) um 
I, I so much appreciate the, the functionality of that. Of course, you know that I'm really into functional health. So when we think of soil in a functional sense, I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the less dis- discussed functions of soil outside of fertility or that productivity of soil, uh, because there's a lot more going on there. Yeah, so I think of it, and a lot of other soils scientists will think of it this way as well. Um, so there's the uh, more chemical aspect of it, uh, which we discussed. That's going to be your more um, um, functional, like you said, nutrients, organic matter, cation exchange capacity. Um, that's what you're going to get on a soil testing uh, results. But then uh, there's the biological aspect of it, and that's going to be microbial populations and their activity. And um, microbial and biological activity is what um, creates organic matter. It's what's responsible for nutrient cycling. Um, and this microbial activity, this biological activity, also creates the more physical aspects of soil, which is the, the third part of soil health. Um, having good structure, water infiltration, um, moisture retention, uh, um, prevent erosion problems. You have to have uh, strong soil. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's a better word for it there. So right. Um, Those physical characteristics, of course, the textural components are natural, mm-hmm. whether it's sand, silt or clay, but how those form structure in soil as you mentioned, is really dependent on the biological activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, those three components, the chemical, biological, and physical, all kind of interact. Um, and, of course, supporting food production, but that carbon storage, um, adding soil carbon, uh, add, or excuse me, adding carbon to the soil is part of carbon sequestration from the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So it's got that other functionality. Um the infiltration that you mentioned is really important for the way water moves in an environment and how much is moving vertically versus just sheet flow uh, across the landscape. And um, yeah, so many of those things combined combine for uh, environmental functionality, but also soil plant health interactions mm-hmm. there. Um, so yeah, it's a little from, from an, a purely agronomic standpoint these definitions of soil health are a little more encompassing of all of the functionality of the soil rather than just to grow food. Yes. Um, So how important is this concept when we're talking about developing sustainable production systems for combating global concerns like climate change? Because that's one of the ideas around sustainable agriculture. Agriculture, it's that we need to be able to have, you know, to continue farming, uh, but also continue to have clean air, clean water, all of these different things. Yeah. So soil health and just sustainable systems in general are about building resiliency. Um, I uh, I'm gonna take this off in a little bit different direction. I like to think of it as like the human body. How if you have a really healthy immune system, when there are things that you come up against, viruses, cold weather, um, the flu season, um, if you are strong, if you are eating healthy, if you're exercising, um, if you're getting enough sleep, if you have all these things intact, you're not going to be as affected by all these environmental changes and things that are coming at you. And the same thing happens with sustainable systems and soil health in general. If you have a functioning system, you're not going to be 
as impacted by major changes that happen. Uh, you can adapt, you can uh, um, um, change, you, minor changes can cause a little bit of evolution. I'm going off on a tangent here, but. <laughs> I, feel, I understand just, what you're saying because I think, what you're, I think what you're trying to capture is just that it, it does create more resiliency in mm-hmm. the system. Um, and when, we'll give an example from some of our farming systems here because we've had a lot of rain lately. If you're impacted by major just weather swings, whether it's drought or a uh, drought scenario or a heavy rain scenario or swings to really low temperature or swings to really high temperature, mm-hmm. you just ha- the system has a little bit more um, capacity to bounce back and withstand those events uh, because it is what we would call a f- healthy functioning system mm-hmm. um, if it's somewhat degraded it's going to be more susceptible uh, let's say if uh, if a system's degraded and there's a si- significant amount of compaction it's going to be much more susceptible to things like heavy rains um, because the infiltration is not going to be great the sheet flow is going to be higher off the surface uh, carrying topsoil with it uh, mm-hmm. causing erosion um, but even other things like disease if you don't have uh, a healthy functioning soil, if there is a, a, a pest outbreak of some sort, the ecosystem is not going to be able to respond as rapidly naturally. You're going to have to rely um, on chemicals. And, and the chemicals in, in agriculture um, are really important to the productivity. There's a lot of benefit to having access to those. But it shouldn't be like the first line of defense. It should be more of a reactive use um, rather than you know just building health within a system um, as a preventative measure, right? <laughs> like much again, like the human body, we don't solely, solely rely on antibiotics to keep us healthy. Exactly. There's certain things we do um, to prevent illness before we we go to the doctor to, to maintain our health. So mm-hmm. those are some of the interesting kind of analogs between farm ecosystem health and organismal health. Um, and it, and it ties back to soil health because so much of what we know about soil biology um, and concepts of soil health actually come from research in human health. Everything about soil biology is largely gravitating over from research into the human microbiome. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring that full circle there because yeah. I know we did go, like we went off when we were talking. Sorry about that. I got excited. No. I was like, let me make this connection. Well, it's super complex um, and it's so different than a traditional purely agronomic view of soil that It's worth talking a little bit more about, and it's definitely worth giving examples um, because people are much more familiar with how human bodies function, essentially, um, because we hear all about it, you know, and there's so much educational information out there on food pyramids and exercise and all these different things that it's, it's easier to capture ideas around health in humans than it is around soil which most people just look at and think it's just dirt yeah so it's it's we're starting from a whole different level of what people think of it's more dirt. like the colon of the earth <laughs> well, that's a nice we're gonna we're gonna use that again the colon of the earth a lot of things are happening there <laughs> oh that's interesting so tell us how your research fits in there i want to just give our audience a little bit more about where you're going with your doctoral research in these areas and 
So I'm looking specifically at cover crops um, and how they can affect um, uh, or make changes within your soil system. Um, So I'm trying to embody all aspects of that, looking very heavily on the the biological aspect of it. So what microbial um, populations are doing, uh, what is their community composition, how are they influencing decomposition rates, but also nutrient cycling. Um, It's also looking at structure or physical characteristics, so these things like aggregate stability and moisture retention and soil porosity and soil infiltration rates, um, water infiltration rates. Just a lot of words right there, but (laughs) these are very (laughs) physical aspects. Um, And then uh, I am also looking about carbon cycling because carbon is so important for soil and also globally um, and how all of these things fit together to within just implementing a simple practice of, well, I guess it's not simple. It's, there are a lot of complications yeah, with, are, for farmers actually putting cover crops onto their land. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, because yeah. it's worth noting that theoretically, um, the idea of putting more plants on the landscape, especially in seasons when we typically aren't growing plants right now, um, makes a lot of sense. But the management of it and kind of... Uh, modifying it to fit with a specific production system um, can be a little more complex and there's a lot of other there's a lot more individual decisions that would need to happen depending on the history of the production system the climate in the area the weather changes annually the crop rotations annually all these other factors that go into the specific management but yeah from a theoretical standpoint um, and cover crops are used widely in the midwest right and they have been for a while, but there's a different soil type up there. There's like different weather concerns. It's not like a recipe. It's not already figured out. No, it's not. It's definitely not like a one size fits all recipe. And yes, widely used in the Midwest, also the Northeast. But it's important too when we're saying cover crop um, to like identify, uh, better define what that means because it's really the growing of a crop that you don't plan to harvest specifically during the fallow season, which is the season where we're usually not growing cash crop. Here it's our winter season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you ever found a natural piece of landscape in Mississippi, which there are plenty of, it's not natural to not find plants on the landscape. Mm-hmm. So even the word cover crop, you might think, you know, folks that are really into wildlife, cover crops and food plots are pretty much the same. In a pasture system, improved pasture, um, Improved pasture crops, uh, whether you're going to diversify seasonally what you're growing in a pasture, very similar to cover crop in a row crop, in, in, in a row crop production standpoint. Um, and even when you start talking about diversifying crop rotations and adding complexity in a crop rotation, it's the same as adding a winter cover crop. You're just not planning to harvest it. So the words there can mean things to different people depending on the land management, but the idea is the same. It's just to have something growing year-round and diversify that crop production system. You're just not going to harvest it, typically. You want uh, all of the plant matter to move back into the soil rather than the way we kind of continually take uh, crops out of the soil when we harvest them. I feel like 
one of the worst things you can do for soil health in general is leave it bare, leave it naked. And that's really where these cover crops, that concept is coming from. Yeah, and again, the the trade-off there is that in some of our more traditional production systems, the idea and the concept of having bare soil is is often looked at as a good thing because that means you don't have any weeds, it's ready for planting, it's got all these characteristics that a lot of farmers would see as great characteristics of a farm, that it's clean, there's no weeds, it's ready to plant, um, and from some aspects of that agronomic system and from many of the environmental aspects, that's somewhat problematic because you are very susceptible to erosion throughout the winter, especially here where we get a lot of rain throughout the winter. Um, That rainfall can also lead to more compaction. Uh, You can lose organic matter right out of the soil that's leaving with sediment when there is erosion. Mm -hmm. So from a conservation standpoint um, and conservation systems that are part of farm systems, there's some things that would be more concerning um, that you could see is leading to subsequent problems. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting, it's kind of an interesting thing when we are on both, you know, we work in both agricultural systems and conservation that just the ideas of what landscapes should and should not look like that have kind of evolved over time are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you we started getting on the topic of your research and how many years do you have left in that? You're just starting the I'm PhD. just starting at three, three yeah. four. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun process because, you know, when you set out to do research and you've got objectives, by the time you get to the end of it, the evolution of, like, your thought processes <laughs> and how you see the system and understand the system can be completely different. So I feel like we're going to have to do a follow-up on this one <laughs> <laughs> in three years looking back and say, okay, here's what we talked about at the beginning of your research. Let's recap um, what we learned about these systems at the end. Well, that's assuming it stops raining and I can actually do the research. So Yeah. And assuming that it all happens in the time frame we <laughs> yeah. want, which isn't always typical. But thank you again for being here today. I know this won't be the last time we're talking about soil or soil health because it is such a complex and broad and kind of evolving topic on its own. Um, But thank you very much. Thanks for having me. As always, you can find more information on our website or in the show notes after the show. And we always want to acknowledge and thank our primary sponsor, the Mississippi Natural Resources Conservation Service, for their support of this podcast. Thanks for joining us for Coffee and Conservation. To find out more about the topics discussed, visit the REACH website at reach.msstate.edu or the Mississippi State University Extension Service website at extension.msstate.edu.